they'll rebuild the ruins. Blessed by your word. Thank you, Father, that we can learn great things from you. We can learn all things from you. And you've given us the ability to come here for the, the uh, opportunity to learn. So we thank you, Lord. We bless you and we praise you. We honor you. We magnify you. We extol you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. There's, <clears throat> is there some perfume or something? I don't know what it is. Somebody spray something around here. I don't know what it is, but I keep getting this whiff of something. It's kind of taking my breath away a little bit. But I mean, I'm not not throwing no shade on nobody. Y'all know I'm, I'd rather have y'all with y'all Odie colonies instead of without. And I'm sure you feel the same way about me, but I just worried about what this Odie Colony is. Praise the Lord. But I'm good. We're It's all good. I just wondered if somebody was spraying something. I was going to say, stop. <laughs> we got the message. But that's okay. I don't know. Is it coming through the vents or something? Or I don't know. Whatever. We just all good up in here. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, it's all good. So praise God. All right. So today we're going to talk about what it means to walk with God. Amen. Walking with God. And uh, that's a... A marvelous thing when you understand what God intends for it and the benefit of it. Uh, it's not like uh, it's a hard thing. It's not an unusual thing. But it's something that is ordained for us. You know, it's, it's like ordered. It's expected. should be natural, normal. Um, should be um, not earth-shattering. I know there's all kinds of stories, you know, that we believe about People who walk with God, you know, they're rare, unusual, and you know, real spooky kinds of things. But it's not that way at all. I think God wants to, when we talk about walking with God, we're talking about being uh, adopting him as our father. Amen. Being family with God. And so just as you would walk with your natural family, God ordains that we would walk with him as his spiritual family. So if you'll turn to Genesis chapter 5 and and, uh, verse 24, it says, it talks about the descendants of Adam. uh, And uh, it says, In verse 25, 24, it says, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Amen. He walked with God, and he was not, because God took him. Now, Enoch, it says in verse 23, All the days of Enoch were 365 years. Whereas Methuselah was over 900, all the descendants of, of Adam lived close to be a thousand years old. But you see, as the longer man lives on the earth, the more, what do you think happens that causes the lifespan to decrease? Now you got it. Amen. So then sin begins to overtake, uh, iniquity starts to overtake life. And then by the time we get to... Um, uh, Moses and, and the other patriarchs, the lifespan is, is really 120 is like max. And so many people die very prematurely. You know, when we were created, we are created to live forever, which kind of, you know, would amaze you when you look at the condition of people's health. 
uh, in this day and age, you know, we're we're deteriorating at a much more rapid pace than we were ever ordained to. Uh, some lives don't even make it out of the womb. You got me? And because of iniquity. And so when we begin to understand all that God is doing to help us to combat this and to live the life that he's ordained for us to live, then I think you can kind of grab quicker onto things like divine health and healing, uh, prosperity. All of those concepts become a little more easier to grasp because you understand what God ordained from the beginning. He created man to live forever. Amen. And his intention is still the same. He intends for us to live forever. So if he still intends for us to live forever, it must automatically follow that if anything happens to us to to shorten that process or interrupt that process, then he has to come and intervene with his original intention to pull us out of death, sickness, you know, anything that would cause us not to live the life that he has ordained for us. Uh, God doesn't change his plans because of what the devil's doing. You know, he just doesn't. And so God always has a remedy. He always has a cure. He always has another step. He has another opportunity. You know, we call him God of a second chance. If that was all you needed. (laughs) Let's go into the thousands. Amen. And it's not really chances. It's all new beginnings every time God gets involved with you. Amen. Everything's fresh and new. And so when we talk about God's wanting us to, to live the God kind of life, then you must understand that God has to be present with us. He ordained to be present with us. He never ordained to be separated from us. And so his heart's desire has always been to reunite with man, to continue relationship with us, and continue to lead us and help us in this life that he has ordained for us. So it says Enoch lived 365 years. Understand this, a life lived with God and for God has no number significance to it. Say it again. A life lived with God and for God really has no number significance to it because he lived a shorter span of time than did his ancestors and his immediate descendants. But he walked perfectly with God and then he was not, the Bible says, because God took him. It says that over in the book of Hebrews and there was a reason he took him. And there's a reason he will take us. In uh, Hebrews 11, it says in verse 5, by faith, Enoch was translated by faith. Whose faith? His own faith. It's the same faith that we have when we get born again. We have faith to be translated into new creatures in Christ. Amen. The Bible says that we have been translated. Amen. Shannon Crowley, see if you can find that scripture for me. Amen. 
it's in one of the epistles. I'm not sure exactly which one it was. But it's the same translation that we get, yet we're still here on earth. Huh? We're here but not here. See, when Enoch walked, he <clears throat> they didn't have the new birth. They didn't have the blood atonement. They didn't even have the law or the prophets. Okay, so where would you find it? Okay, let me find it real quick for you. Do you have a, um, you said Colossians 1.13. Do you have a, um, what's that Bible thing on there? The one that has all the concordance and interlinears on there? If you have that, why don't you look up that scripture and check against, see if you can check it against the uh, Genesis 5. Oh, this Bible's got everything all twisted up. No, it is not. <laughs> Colossians 1. Amen. Okay, so <clears throat> verse 12 says, Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. That, that's, that translated is Strong's 3179. The other one's going to be a Hebrew, but you know if you can see if it has the same meaning, it, it really does mean the same thing. They are it translated. And that means that we have been, <clears throat> see, translation is not a term you ever see used in relation to human beings. But what it does say is that God has put us into a new language. Now, you all know we got a, a gift of that with the gift of tongues. So that's evidence of a translation in our lives. Amen. So if you're translated from the powers of darkness and, and you've been translated into the kingdom of his, his dear son. See, language is part of your access. Like if I go to Italy and I don't speak Italian, I may not get fed for a few days unless I go. Now, gun up your nose. <laughs> you know, gun up your nose is kind of universal language. Everybody understands that. But if I can't do that and I just want to be legal all over the place, I'm going to have a hard time getting my needs met because the, the, the way is blocked because of the language barrier. So I don't have access. So when God translates you, you have access. With us in the new birth, because we are in human bodies and we, there's, there's more work to be done in us than just giving us the gift of tongues so we can have access to spiritual truth, understanding, and, and that kind of stuff. We are being conformed to the image of Christ. We are being, we have a mandate down here on earth to preach the gospel, to win souls. All that stuff is mandated. So with us, it's more than <clears throat> a translation that's needed. We also have transformation. <clears throat> 
that's going on. So for the New Testament saying, it's translation, uh, transformation. It's also the work of the ministry and the call of God on our lives. So there's a lot for us to do. But with Enoch, all he had to do was one thing. And it says here in Hebrews 11, and this is all we have to do. So if you go to Hebrews 11, verse 5, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. We are translated in the new birth from one kingdom to the next, so we have access to God. But he was translated to the point that he did not see death. We don't get that high degree of translation with the new birth. Like I said, we have other other tasks to be accomplished in us. We have transformation and all those things. So we're slowed down from where Enoch was. But it said this, <clears throat> he said, was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So the bottom line is pleasing God. You walk with him if you please him. And there are many of us walking with God and don't really, quote unquote, know it or aren't really aware of it. Because when you walk by faith, you are walking with God. Now, you can be born again and not walk with God out of ignorance. A lot of people don't pursue what they know. And they don't pursue, they don't have that hunger that they identify as a hunger for God. You know, they'll, they'll be hungry but not know what it is they're hungry for, so they go back to carnal pursuits and miss God. And that's kind of common. You know, you hear people say things like, well, I always feel better when I'm in church. And I said, well, what happens? You quit going. I don't know. I just get, you know what I'm saying. So if you don't really understand that that's part of your pursuit of God, people, there are some people who know Jesus as Savior. That word is interpreted it can be different meanings for every single person sitting here. Sometimes Savior means you, you go back and live carnal and wait till you get in trouble again and the Lord save me. Or you go about your merry way and then when you run out of money for your bills, save me. You got it? And I'm talking about church people too. You got me? And so it just depends on how you set your heart to please God. You know how it is when you're a new Christian, you want to do everything right. You say, oh, well, I, got to, well, I can't miss no service. You know, you miss a service, you miss a blessing. You know, I don't know how many pre- you know, preachers tell you that. And, and they're right. Because these are things you tuck into your remembrance so that in your day of trouble, when the devil's telling you the reason you're in trouble is because you don't go to church often enough, you don't tithe often enough, you don't do this, this, and this. You can go down your little checklist and say, uh-uh, devil, because I do this, 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 this. That's how we stayed saved as new Christians. Come on. <laughs> it's definitely how you take your own inventory. The Bible says examine yourself. That's part of your self-exam. Is when we quit doing that, we really run into trouble. Thank God for it. Amen. I mean, it seems elementary, and you know, we're 
we've been saved too long. We, we're real sophisticated now. But you know what I'm saying. It's easy to slip off the radar. You know, once you once you let that door close behind you, it's hard to get it open again. Oh. Hmm? People tell you that the more you stay away, the easier it gets to stay away. And then, you know, the human soul is made in such a way that it has to rationalize everything. See, when you don't, you're not faithful and consistent in your church attendance, the Holy Spirit will bug you about it. That's his job. He's the one who gets you to church when you go. Now, with many of us, it's a habit by now. But you're being prompted and led of the Spirit of God when you do that. And see, once you start absenting yourself, when the Holy Spirit bugs you, then your soul has to find a way to get its own peace again. I'm not talking about peace with God. I'm talking about its own peace. It's a normal human reaction. Whenever human beings get anxious, they want to do something or say something to remove the anxiety. So your soul will tell yourself something like, well, it's okay. You go all the time. You're just missing this one. And so you don't, the conviction moves away and you give yourself you're okay when you don't go to church. That's really what you're saying. I ain't beating up on nobody. Everybody does that nonsense. Listen, I'm the preacher and sometimes I want to stay in the bed. Y'all better, y'all better wake up and grow up. <laughs> you better wake up, grow up, and start living. And so what do you do instead of that? Well, you fight the stinking devil to stay consistent. Huh? <laughs> you fight the devil to stay consistent. When you start feeling good about not being here, that's when you're really in trouble. Just saying. You got me? No, it's, it's the truth. This is how the devil steals. People don't even realize. Like, like people will say, Pastor Barb, uh, I'm not coming. Is that okay? I said, no. <laughs> devil. Now you're going to get the pastor in cahoots with you. No, it ain't okay to stay home from church. Are you kidding me? As much work as we do trying to get people in here, I'm going to tell you it's okay. You should know better. How come you ain't trying to find somebody and bring them in here? (laughs) Stop it. Stop it. See, we even got ghosts in the place. They ain't even in this room, but they're out there making noise. (laughs) Well, they're in here. (laughs) In the building. But but I'm saying that to say, why am I saying this? You've got to have a testimony that you please God. You, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, even in small, I can remember we were in a church and, and nobody knew that much. It was a new church. And there was no sick list. 
And I was talking to the Lord. I said, because I'm the, the pastor, never talked about healing, never talked about. And the Lord said, I keep you well by herd mentality. He said, all you got to do is keep up with the herd and you get the benefits of being a part of things. If the herd eats, you eat. If the herd is healthy, you're healthy. You know, there's some certain things that you get as benefits from God just by being a part of the herd. All you're doing is following the guy in front of you. <laughs> I mean, it's just. But Enoch had the testimony that he pleased God. So you got to please him to walk with him. Oh, I know a lot of people that don't, you know, that's not important. That's why we're having this conversation. See, walking with God, you don't think that's really important. That's an option, see. I don't have to walk with God. That's for them old folks like Pastor Byron. Huh? I walked with him when I was younger than you. Many of you. Y'all tell your right age. <laughs> Some of y'all have been here 30 years and you ain't got 30 yet. I'm looking around. I said, wait a minute. Start counting. But you got to have that testimony. That is a must. If you think you're going to heaven, that testimony is a must. You got to be translated on the final day. Oh, for all you Methodists and Lutherans out there, eternal security people, think that one-time confession, acknowledgement of Christ has got you locked up eternally. The Bible says some of our working out your salvation. And that with fear and trembling, not with assurance, confidence, and flippant attitude that you're okay just a thought Mm -hmm. we all got to do things with fear and trembling you understand don't ever be so sure about yourself and about your walk and always understanding god has more for you to do more for you to understand more for you to accomplish more for his children to do, more for his people to do. There's transformation that's going on in our lives every day where we're being conformed to the image of Christ. See, God is not so interested in what you are able to do with your faith other than what he ordained for you to do. There's certain things that are ordered for you to do. And there's certain things that are blessings and benefits of your covenant. And my argument is now and always has been that the church focuses too much on the blessings and not the mandates. What are you compelled to do? What is he holding you responsible for? <laughs> I'm melting. All witches like to melt when they got to be responsible for something. Huh? Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. See, most Christians, you know, most Christians think this is a game. 
They think that you can do certain things. You don't have to do certain things. This is a must do. This is mm. all y'all Asian all of a sudden eating off a Chinese menu. Some column A. No, I don't like that. It's too too many vegetables. Where's your race in? Get them vegetables out my fried rice. She fussed at the people, I'm trying to get more vegetables because I hate to cut them up and she wants more rice. You know what I'm saying? You can't never please people. And so if if we think our ordained and ordered life is a matter of choosing how much we want to do for God, let me just wake you up today, okay? But you cannot please God without faith. You cannot please God without accepting his orders for your life. Yeah, you're ordered to do certain things. They're not options. I tell people, I say, you know, as I would listen to people tell me things like, oh, oh yeah, uh, my husband and I are divorced. And, uh, oh, I know God told me to leave him and we'll get back together later. I've never seen that happen. Why would you marry somebody and God tell you to leave them? How come he couldn't have told you not to marry him from Jump Street? You understand what I mean? I mean, he's God. He was put you through all that trouble that you marry somebody until you separate and then y'all get back together. I said, devil, you are a liar. And I said, well, does he say? Well, see, that was the problem. Ooh, ouch. Now we got another problem. Maybe you ain't saved. You got me? I mean, there's a salvation that will let you know your life is not your own. We don't live much like that anymore. So everybody wants prosperity. We can confess our way into anything. Everything's related to this temporal, touchy-feely realm. Nobody's got an eye for eternity. That mean? But eternity is where we're at. you got eternity living in you every day. Eternity permanently is where we're headed. We're taking on little bits of glory here and there. And we're walking in the manifestation of what we know. But eternity should always be what guides you on the inside of you and keeps you walking with God. It's the reality of eternity. It's the reality of of something other than what you can see, touch, taste, feel, drive. Hmm? So when you have an eye toward eternity, that makes you a friend of God. Because that's where he is. He lives eternally. He has a concept of you fitting in somewhere in that long line of timeline called eternity. And as to walk with God means to walk in agreement, fellowship, and companionship with his vision for you. Most people don't even think about God has a vision for their life. I mean, they really don't. I'm saved. You know, we got all our little pet phrases and coined terms. That's why we have so many people lose hope, drop out, lose sight of what God wants for them, quit I used to go out and pass out tracks and do all that stuff. I just don't have time no more. 
So to be a friend of God, amen, to walk with God, it means to be a friend of God. We said Enoch walked for 300 years as a man who didn't know the new birth and was translated after 300 years of walking with God, which means that his work was complete. Whatever he did in that 300 years completed him. Now, if that makes you all nervous because you don't want to leave here too soon, get yourself wrapped, get your head wrapped around something different today. Because your life is so much tied into God, it would shake your head up for real if you understood what God was really after and what he's doing in us. See, we have to be more aware of what we don't see than of what we do see. We have to be more aware of what has not occurred yet than what has occurred. For all of us who are still suffering because of an unfortunate childhood or unfortunate unfortunate relationship or unfortunate boss or unfortunate job or whatever, whatever our little misfortune was, for those of us who are suffering, get a grip. Okay, get your healing and let's move on into something that God is holding you accountable for now every day that you live in the here and now. I remember thinking about women. I would say, oh, they've been so beaten up. Everybody mistreated somebody. You know, they were never any culprits. They was always getting mistreated. You got me? God told me to leave. They never got back. And I was looking one day, and my husband, y'all know his testimony mostly, but uh, he, when we moved to Detroit, he promised that he would start going to church with me. And he was going to do this, and he was going to do that. And, you know, God worked on him, and slowly he came to a realization of who God was and gave his life to the Lord. Well, he only lived like four or five years more. Which makes me understand some things about living for eternity. See, having eternity inside of you, guiding your life every day. That's what it means to walk with God. Is to be guided by eternity. What's eternal? What's important? What's God concerned about? I didn't have time to play them games about he's an abuser and I got to separate from him and wait for God to bring us. He would have been dead before he got saved. Y'all understand what I'm saying? So I don't have a lot of patience with people. I don't care how long you've been saved or what you got going on. I have a lot of patience with people who think they can play them kind of games with another human soul and think they're pleasing God. I don't care if they prophesy and preach or whatever they do. Yes. And see, there's a difference between walking with God and pleasing him with your faith and pleasing him with the way you live your life and your time and being saved and and having a big this or a big that or blowing up on YouTube or wherever you want to blow up at. There's a big difference. There are people that walk with God and we never know who they are. They ain't on television they're not on YouTube. They don't have a camera stuck up in their face every five minutes. They, they are walking with God because they have eternity locked up inside of them. And they're being guided by eternity. 
So walking with God really means being led and guided by the things God is led and guided by. And not just somebody who's around for the benefits. Benefits kind of tend to compete sometimes with eternity. Because benefits will keep you comfortable in the temporal realm. But if they make you sacrifice on the eternal things, then you might have a problem. You understand what I'm saying? We have to live so close to God and so comfortable with our closeness with God that we're not concerned about what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear, what we're going to put on, how much of it we got, who's the designer, who ain't the designer. And it doesn't mean that you don't like nice things or you don't desire nice things or a comfortable dwelling or comforts here it doesn't mean anything like that it just means that you are so locked into eternity that you walk in an assurance that that is provided for you already so you got to walk in an assurance that it's laid up for you it's just it's like it's in your closet it's on that shelf When you walk with God, you have an awareness that everything you will ever need for life, your children, your grandchildren, all your seed, that is already laid up for them. And they won't have to labor for it. They won't have to sacrifice walking with God for it. They don't have to go out of the line with God. They just walk with God. Kind of interesting. Isaac, uh, Abraham and Isaac. Abraham, we know first generation who walked with God the first thing you do is walk with God is worship that's number one that's got to be tops on your list and I don't mean just when you come to church and everybody's doing it but I mean worship lifting holy hands whenever the spirit of God you get get awareness of God's presence close to you of working up in the morning or in the middle of the night and thanking God and, and, and praying in tongues a little bit and, you know, just where whatever God's you know, awareness of him continually as your friend. And so when we, when we get in that place of worshiping, then when you run kind of dry in life, you just keep returning to that place of worship, you know, where you met him, where you, boom, right back, huh? Because you don't want to lose contact with God. You're a friend of God. And you want to be so close to him that that when that's broken, you're so aware of it, you got to get yourself right back there again. Huh? It's like a fish out of water. And so Abraham started out, they did not have the Ten Commandments, didn't have a lot, this was pre-Moses. Abraham started out uh, uh, as what they call navel gazer, Ur of the Chaldee, the Chaldean people, those people that uh, served the Baals and those gods, you know, and he was a chanter. Got me? Don't go back to that. Huh? But he made some mistakes. 
but they weren't really mistakes. See, if there's no law, there's no transgression. So he was before the law, so he just finding his way in God. That's why we get extreme mercy. See? When you, you're new in the things that you're finding your way, or sometimes God has you step out into something new, and you got to find your way again. You get extreme mercy from God. You got me? You know, there are times, you know how sometimes we judge each other. We look at, well, so-and-so ought to know better by now. How do you know that? How do you know that? You are you to judge another man's servant. You're not God. And so when we, when we start to understand how God develops relationship, this is all about relationship. If it don't bug God, it shouldn't bug us. Huh? <laughs> And it doesn't bug him. He just likes to correct his children and help them to live better for them. It's all for us to live better in God's presence. And so Abraham made mistakes that we would look at the law and say, well, that's obvious. See, it's it's easy to judge when you have knowledge and you can look at back at somebody who didn't. Like the children of Adam want to judge Adam. For eating, you know, eating the fruit with his wife. Uh But see, to me, Adam knew more what a marriage was than most people. Didn't he stand up in front of God and say, I'm going to leave you and mother and cleave to her? So he was doing what he promised to do. See, you can do stuff like that. Isn't that amazing? You just you disobey God's law <laughs> for God. But that's what he did. He had to show God he would keep his word. Knowing that God would take care of everything else. See, we can't even imagine that because we don't even know God. We don't know as much scripture. <laughs> Is we could know to live, you know what I'm saying. We just live in paycheck to paycheck with God, most of us. But Adam said he, he was under a vow. And he said, well, I promised God I'd go with her. So I'm going to go with her. People say, eh, he, he shouldn't have done that. No, 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 no. You can't judge what you don't understand. Well, if I was Adam, no, a good thing you wasn't. Or we'd all be in hell. We wouldn't even have a chance. You know, I heard somebody, he should have knocked that out of his... Adam didn't slap his wife. And you shouldn't be thinking about it either. You call yourself a man of God. <laughs> no, Adam lived on such a high level, our carnal minds cannot even fathom living that high. I mean, we really can't. That's why we try to bring him down to where we are and judge him and try to correct him. When the Bible says, honor your father and mother, even Adam, you can't judge and criticize him. It'll go well with him. You just say you don't understand it and leave it alone and keep on living. But Abraham didn't know a lot of the things that Moses knew after he received the law from God. And so Abraham was making some mistakes. But you notice when it got to Isaac, 
because Abraham left what he knew. What he knew was worship. He knew to build an altar to God, to stay in contact with God. So he left that with his son. All of the patriarchs left something with their children. Adam left the blood atonement. And how to get in touch with God. When you do something wrong, you go get an animal and kill it and offer it up to God and you can get right back in God's presence again. He left that knowledge with all of his descendants. So you can say Enoch at least was working that much. And if you work what you know and do it by faith, you can please God. So Enoch didn't have none of what we have now and he worked it enough consistently to please God. And God did everything in Enoch that he's working to do in us as New Testament Christians in 300 years. And then he was done with it and he was perfected enough to go to heaven with God. Just walked with him so closely, so perfectly, didn't miss a beat. And one day God went home and Enoch went with him and that was it. He had completed what he was supposed to do in the earth. And so when Abraham came along and he made mistakes, God then grabbed his son and began to teach him and add to what his father had taught him. So what God is doing with each generation is he's allowing us to understand what the generation before knew and we perfect it as a body of Christ and then he adds to it. He doesn't add to it until we perfect it. That's why we have these lulls in the body of Christ. Excuse me, we're we're looking for God to do more and it seems like it takes forever. He's waiting for enough people in the earth to perfect what he's released already and then he'll release some more. With mass communication, it's happening at an extremely accelerated pace. Because what they had at the Azusa Street revival, turn of the last century, had been perfected by the 1950s, and God began to add word of faith message to that. After word of faith, he accelerated and began to add prophetic understanding to that. But you'll notice something that happens to each generation in the body of Christ. When they receive a revelation, they think they got it all, and they start fighting the guy that comes along behind them with the next level revelation. So now the word of faith people don't like the prophetic people. They don't receive us. huh? Now their message is popular enough and people have accepted it enough now so that you can see many people in the body of Christ being matured under that message but they're now hungry again. And see when sheep get hungry they'll go anywhere looking for food. So now you see a lot of Christians getting involved in the occult because they want the supernatural. But their word of faith fathers won't let them have prophetic. Am I right or am I I lying? Or Do y'all keep up with this stuff or I'm the only one snooping around in folk business? The Bible says believe his prophets. Plural. What they typically do is find one prophet they like and feed off that poor soul. That's why a lot of them die young. 
or someone got slick enough to keep them around praying for their health to keep coming back. And then people tired and want to go home. They they have been translated so long ago. They just stand here by somebody mooching off of them. Huh? That's typical of, you know, <laughs> Saul woke uh, Samuel up out the grave. Wouldn't even let the man die. He said, what are you disturbing me for? Well, that was his pet prophet. That's the only one he listened to, the only one he wanted to listen to. So God has a a challenge keeping the generations fulfilling his prophecy that the glory of the latter generation will be greater than that of the former. Which means your children are supposed to know more about God, do more for God, have this like second nature to them and not struggle with it at all. But we see every generation struggles and few make it through to that level. So God had to teach Isaac how not to make the mistakes his father made if he was going to get Jesus here. And cause each generation to know more about God and carry what they knew into the next generation. So when Isaac wanted to sojourn in Egypt like his daddy did, what did God tell him? He said, use your faith. Please me. That's all God's saying to any of us is use your faith and please me like Enoch did. huh? Like Abraham did. Like all the patriarchs have done. Use your faith and please me so that I can prosper you and bless you. So Isaac had to learn how to sow in the midst of famine, which meant he didn't live natural like his dad did. His dad moved where there was food when he got hungry. That's what everybody did. But God said, no, if I'm going to be your God and you're going to walk with me and please me, you're going to have to learn how to do what I say. Now, if I let you keep moving where the food is, You're going to be led by your belly and you're not going to please me. I want you to be led by my voice and by my spirit with you. I don't want you to be led by your belly. So he perfected that in Isaac. Isaac learned how to stay put where God told him to stay put. That's what Israel is fighting over now. Staying put where God told them to stay put. And you see how the devil has fought them for many, many centuries over that same principle. But once it's established in in their body of believers, then it's established there and God won't let it be moved. And that's all he's trying to get with us is to establish us in his truth. Establish us in, you know, you walk by faith in divine health. You don't walk after your symptoms. You don't walk after trouble. You don't walk after, you don't have to chase that down. You stay with me where I am and I keep you healthy and I keep you well. See, I am your healer. I am your peace. I am your God. So when we walk with God, we walk in the fullness of the benefit of everything that he has ordained for us. And then the yoke is easy and the burden's light. That's what he wants for us. He does not want his children struggling for anything except to stay close to him. Amen. If that's going to be a struggle, let that be your only struggle is to stay close to him. So when we walk with God, we also walk in his law. Nehemiah 10. You want to turn there. 
Nehemiah is an interesting book because at that time the people of God weren't walking with God. So this is a book about restoration and revival and rebuilding like we're in now as God's people. We're in the restoration rebuilding mode. <clears throat> Nehemiah 10, I think it's verse 29. says they cleaved to their brethren their nobles and entered into a curse into an oath to walk in god's law at that point the that time in god's law the curse was levied when they didn't obey him we've been redeemed from the curse of the law but we let the law stop us many times you know what i'm saying it's in your head so we let the fact that we didn't please God for a season or for a little bit stop us from being obedient again. Just can't get away from it somehow. Which was given by Moses, the servant of God, to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our God and his judgments and his statutes. So when you walk with God and you please God, you walk in his law. Which means that you walk in a knowledge of what's right and what's wrong and you do the right thing and you stay away from the wrong thing. That's pretty obvious. It is possible to please God and, and, and under the grace and the mercy of God, it's impossible to, it is possible to please him and not obey all down the line 10 in a check, checklist format. Some things are struggles. Some things are matters of temptation with people. That's why the Bible says to examine yourself and not examine one another. Yes, yes. Because if you examine yourself, you come, come under the, the truth of God's word and you understand what God expects. But it, you know how faith is. It has to kind of sink in before it's real and you can do it perfectly. You know how we do. We try to do some things for a season. They're so ingrained in us. We do them okay for a few days and then we fall down on the job again. But God is saying get back up again and do it again because I'm with you every single time. And so this isn't a rigid, if you're not under the law, you can't break the law and, and there's nowhere you to, for you to go to get forgiveness. You get forgiveness. And you get extreme mercy because God knows what he's working on the inside of us. And so every generation in God has a different task that they have to accomplish for God. They have different things that they need to perfect in God. But know what God is expecting of you at every point in your walk with him. Just know what, you know how when, when uh, people are teaching their, their children to walk, uh, you know, they get too heavy to carry. Then you don't want to pull a stroller out everywhere you go. But you know that baby is going to get heavy. You say, well, you're going to walk today. You know, everybody does that. <laughs> you're going to walk today. And uh, I, I thought about my sister Jackie, her younger sister Jackie. I'm not going to tell you what she said. But anyway, she was trying to teach her young girl on the potty. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's the family story. But anyway, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I respect her. But, uh, you know, when you're done with carrying, you're done with carrying. But see, God carries us until we perfect it. So he has great patience. Amen.
But just like you don't leave your kid if they're too slow in the grocery store and you got to get your shopping done, you don't walk off and leave them there because they can't keep up. Well, that's what God does in perfecting his people. He is so merciful and so interested in us being perfected. That's more important for him than us keeping up with him, so to speak. God knows what we need when we need it. So when you walk with God, you walk at the pace of God, but you're in extreme mercy. And I think it's more because he sees your heart, that you're trying to keep up with him. You're trying to do what God wants you to do. You're open to understanding what his plan is for your life. You're open to learning what he wants you to do. You're open to that. And so when we, when God sees that we're open to these things, and just open means you're reaching out in faith and you want to know. What is it you want me to do, God? You want me to know. And so I think it's, it's just staying where God has you. Sometimes you're comfortable where you are. Sometimes you have a sense that there's more to do and God prepare me for it. All, all of those things. But you've got to please him. You've got to be in faith. You've got to have eternity and eternal things in your heart. They have to be important to you. Where the devil trips us up is he, he ensnares us with the, the natural things of life. He messes with your finances to see if he can get you distracted and keep you upset. He messes with your health to see if he can distract you and keep you upset. He messes with, you know, something God's promised you. Now, see, God will promise you something, but then the devil will come and tell you you can't have it. Well, he didn't promise it to you. How could he? You understand what I'm saying? This will mess your head up if you don't, you know, you stay with it. You know, you got to stay with God to discern how to respond to these things. Upset is not on God's program for us. Frustrated is not on God's program for us. Discouragement and disappointment is not on God's program for us. He wants us to walk with him in his mind and his awareness, number one, of who we are. If you get your identity straight, you understand you're a child of God. I don't care how rotten you act. Listen, and the devil will test you on this stuff. You know, I would get so mad at my husband sometimes. I want to, I said, God, I'm a, you don't know what I might do. Y'all, we don't have to just call, call somebody tonight. You, you know what I'm saying. You, instead of me walking the floor and pacing and prophesying and the word and praying over myself, I start prophesying what I'm going to do to this old boy <laughs> if he don't straighten up and get saved like me. No wonder it takes people forever to get saved. They looking at us and they say, mm, mm, the truth. And we repent, you know, because we understand us perfectly. We don't understand nobody else, but we got us down pat. We, all, we got all the best intentions in the world. <laughs> but but that that awareness has to be there at all times. We are we are sons of God. Let me go to Romans and we'll look at that. Did I ever read, read Nehemiah about the law and having the law in your? You have to. You you really do. You have to be willing to obey God's law. In Romans chapter eight, if you go there, after worship, 
Then you get adopted as a son. I don't know how many of you started out like in, in religion, religion, where you were in church and weren't saved. And it seemed like the preacher was beating you up every week. Yeah, because he was. Because <laughs> you weren't saved. <laughs> you know, you couldn't really comprehend what was going on. But in Romans, it talks about being carnally minded versus spiritually minded. And so there is this transformation process that is happening with all of us from carnal mindedness to spiritual mindedness. So Paul had to teach people how to know the difference. Verse 9, it says, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. And that doesn't mean he lives in you and sits in a corner, but he's taken over your life. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. I was reading somewhere this uh, Joy Via girl. Uh, she's, I don't know, singer or somebody like that, and she's supposed to be a conservative and a Christian. Well, there's some guy that keeps exposing her as not being a Christian. And he knew it because of the way she talked. He said he could tell that she didn't have the Holy Spirit in her. And so now people have found (laughs) tweets of hers where she's a Scientologist. Now see, that brother's pretty smart. He says, (laughs) if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That's what he went by before they even found out that she, she was in Scientology, he could tell she didn't have that spirit. Baptist people can do that. They would have you come up and give your testimony. If the saints didn't think you had real, a real encounter with God, they told you wasn't saved. You better go, go back in the woods till you find God. That's the way they did it. I mean, is that amazing or what? Now, we think you've got to have a Bible with words in it in the Roman road. That Roman road was out somewhere in the woods with them people because they told you go out there and holler for God. And when he responds to you, you come back and you tell us what happened. And if they came back and lied to people, he'd go, no, you go back again. They would take a week off for everybody that needed to find God to go out there and find him. That's how, you know, that's our foundation, folks. Them people kept us from going too far astray. Are you kidding me? They can tell by the spirit if you're there or not. They know if you just uh, Baptist or if you spirit feel. They don't have it, but they know what it is. I know what Gucci is, but I don't own them. Just saying. Well, let me get back to my Bible here. So, so Romans 8, he says, if Christ be in you, verse 10, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. In other words, your flesh doesn't, once you get saved, your flesh has less power over you than it ever did. He's letting the devil trick you when you think you can't overcome certain things. Amen. But God is patient with us. Give us, give us grace and give us mercy to get it straightened out. 
But if the spirit of him that raised up Christ Jesus from the dead is in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or make alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. So you have evidence of life in you. Just like a, 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 a pregnant expectant mother would have signs of life inside of her. Amen? How people can get abortions, I really don't understand that. You've got signs of life. You've got a baby that moves. And sometimes you'll just, sometimes the, the, uh, God makes a mother so sensitive, they can tell when their heart is, heart, baby's heart rate picks up and stuff like that. They, it took them centuries to develop instruments to figure that out. But mothers can tell. Something's wrong. Something, it's not like it used to. You understand what I'm saying? But anyway, the same thing, the Holy Spirit is quickened in your mortal body. So you have evidence that his spirit lives in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. So you're not compelled to do that anymore. But if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if through you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That, that's a pretty powerful revelation. Are you led by the Spirit of God? Then you can claim sonship. <laughs> For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby you cry, Abba, Father. So when you are led by the Spirit of God, you walk with God. When you are led by what's right to do according to God's word, you are walking with God. You are in harmony with God. To walk with, there, there's different words that, that are translated walk, this word walking. And it, it really has several different meanings there. It means, um, see where did I write this stuff down? Ah, it means also to attend. You attend to the things of God. You attend to God. Worship is probably the most compelling ways to show your attention to God. I mean, when you enter into worship, you invite him into your realm, no holes barred. Worship is the biggest open door we can give to God. You know, he explained to us yesterday in the prophecy, it's a red carpet event for him. Amen. Where he enters in. Amen. You roll it out the right way. That is the proper way to engage God is through worship. Not by complaining and hollering and screaming and threatening and crying, even though we do that a little bit from time to time. But worship is the way. That's, that's what got um, Job healed. Hmm? God said, array yourself like a man. Get about that bed whining at me. Hmm. You know how we used to deal. huh? know how we do. Get back to how we do. That's why people who are just, oh, I don't feel good. Well, why don't you just get up and put your clothes on and come to church anyway? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yes. That's how you get healed. Right. Oh, excuse me. You don't want that. That's okay. Well, some people don't. They just want to, you know, complain, luxuriate in their misery. It also says to grow continually. 
to walk with someone means to grow continually. To go on continually. See, this isn't just a drop in and drop out type thing. This ain't go on Sunday and get checked off for the week. You know, like we used to do. Uh, When we didn't know no better, that's what we did. Uh, It means to desire someone, to flow with them, to accompany them. So you accompany God on whatever adventure he has for you when you walk with God. You're his companion. You know, sometimes you hear saints say, God, whatever you're doing, I want to be in on it. I don't want you to do nothing without me being there. Then they sleep in, but anyway, just a thought. <laughs> Messing with you. Walking with God was a choice. So always a choice, even from day to day. And you know how we can lose interest in things. So worship actually is your safeguard to keep you interested in the things of God. That always brings you back to be centered because that's our foundation. Amen. Our foundation is worship of God. So Enoch made that choice daily. All the patriarchs made that choice. Because of that, it must be made daily. That's why the Lord's prayer is structured the way it is. Give us this day. Now, Jesus didn't have to put this day in there, but he put it in there for a reason. Because he wanted us to know that we had to daily approach God and ask for his mercy in our lives, ask for his will in our lives. All of that stuff has to be done on a daily basis. Walking with God is an act of faith. You may not see anything you think is worth holding on to. It entails giving God the attention required to please him. God sets the requirement. There is a desire to please God without motives for self. A desire to please him without self-motives. Walking with God also means walking in a prophetic awareness of times and seasons. See, there are things that God knows that he shares with people that walk with him. So you walk in a a prophetic understanding and awareness of times and seasons. You understand that there are some certain things that God is ready to accomplish from time to time. But but you can't sometimes put your finger on exactly what it is. But when it shows up, you know it's that that's it. So so and and that's why God has us walk with Him because He has to have a people down here that won't screw up stuff once He gets us started. Now the biggest problem we have is with Christians fighting each other for what God's doing down here. It's a big problem. You know, that's how denominations get started. And we got so many, we wound up with so many, with the next group that came in said, well, we non-denominational. Just throw us in this one big pot, and maybe that makes us one group, but we're going to quit fighting. That's what non-denominational really means. That we're not fighting anybody over things that aren't essential. Now we're getting to the point where Christians love everybody. I mean, we all love each other now. You know why? Because it's getting mighty dark out there. And we realize now we only have one enemy, and that's the devil. 
so you don't see people putting up all these denominational barriers like we got this and y'all don't have it and we the only ones that got it. We don't fight like that no more. Everybody loves everybody now. If you're going on with God. And see, that's important for the church because that lack of love has always destroyed us, hurt our message, shot our witness. But when you can love everybody and you can welcome everybody, then God, then the enemy has less to hold against us before the throne. See, there's less accusation for us if we can do that. So we walk in a prophetic awareness of times and seasons. When we serve God by faith, we trust that he will provide all that we need and supplies all that is necessary for our contentment. That's a little toughy. Because I know everybody's waiting on something from God. But in order to walk with him... You have to walk in awareness that everything you have is provided, because that's what his word says. And you have to walk in such a way that you are content in the knowledge that it's provided. In other words, you don't get frustrated walking with him because you don't see certain things happening in your life yet and drop his hand and go off and do something else. Come here a minute, Rachel. It's like, say for instance, she and I are walking somewhere, and we're good. And then all of a sudden I see, oh, look at that. And, you know, I go take off running and leave her behind. Amen. That's what we do with God many times. Bye-bye, God. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? We get so caught up, and that's the devil, the distractions. We can be so content. Ooh, you don't know. I worship God this morning. Oh, he showed me this, that, 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 that. And then you turn on your TV and something stupid comes on there. And there you off and you say, well, when am I going to get this? And when am I going to get that? And when are you going to do this for me? When are you going to go off on God where you was all worshiping and syrupy, you know, five or ten, fifteen. I mean, that fast the enemy comes and steals from us. Contentment is not lack of interest. See, sometimes you'll be so happy with so little, you got to pinch yourself to make sure you're alive. Well, you just broke that spirit that God wants you to get accustomed to of being content in the state that you're in because he is your contentment now. See, when you walk with him, he is your contentment. He is your fulfillment. Or, or somebody will come up to you in church and say, well, how's so-and-so going? And then you know what that means. Well, did you get it yet? <laughs> and you fall for it. You get ticked off with God because it ain't here. You know what? You, we just do this. And then you got to come back to being centered in God and walking with him and be content in him again. Say, I let the devil break it up. Huh? But you fight to stay in there because you know that's the right place to be. People tell you you should be upset because this is wrong in your life and that's wrong. You feel so good. It's illegal. Huh? Illegal for anybody to feel this good with as little I have going for me. You know? 
<laughs> Saints will mess your head up too. <laughs> to walk with God means to walk in agreement with him. Amos 3.3 3 says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? You've got to agree with his word. You've got to agree with your place in his plan for you. You ever been scared to ask God what you should be doing? I have. Because we're always scared it's going to be too much. You know, God is so patient. Sometimes he will wait for years for us to respond and say yes to what we he called us to do many years ago. He's still waiting on some of y'all. I can tell by the way you looked at me like I had was a Martian or something. Huh? Seriously. Why? Because the gift and the calling is without repentance. He's not going to take it back. He's not going to revoke that he called you. But every now and then he'll give you little signs that you need to, need to say yes or you need to respond to give him an answer or something. Something don't go right exactly and you wonder. I wonder if it's because I need to tell God I'm going to do so and so and so. Maybe I missed him and so, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we have to agree with him on everything. You can't disagree with God. You know, you get a plan of God. You want to be successful. And then you go Asian on him and get the Chinese menu back out again. You like this, this, and this, but you don't like this, 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 and this. And so we have to understand that we trusting God and walking with him means trusting him enough to embrace everything that he has ordained for us. Everything. I had to accept that I had a husband that died too young. Nothing I could do about it. I did the best I could in it. Just like we all do with many people who go home to be with the Lord. But at least he went home to be with God. Bottom line. You want them to live more for you than for them. God knows what's right for them. He knows all of their days. The length of their days he fulfills. So if you want to walk with God, you must agree with him on everything. Don't be short-sighted and begin disagreeing with God because you don't see how something he compels you to do fits in with your life. We can't be judges of the plan of God for our lives. Walking with him means to be in total agreement. When you agree with him, that means you trust him in your heart. That he's not shortchanging you. He's not taking you on a road, thank you, that you can't complete. He's not going to cause you to miss out on anything that you think is so essential for your happiness. Even though you've got the essentials covered already when you know you're a son or a daughter of God. When you're a a child of God, you have an inheritance. You're not working at getting something. You have to walk in a knowledge, a full knowledge that everything that you need, past, present, and future, is already provided for you. You just have to walk in obedience. Now, I, there are times where people will be walking with God and do do consistently something very well, 
and then the challenge comes up and they they choose to discontinue being consistent and and sometimes we wonder well what happened to them they they looked like they were happy working for God and they doing this what the challenge is is God sees your efforts but he wants it sealed in you irrevocable just like his call on you is irrevocable he wants your obedience to him irrevocable he wants it to be like you're breathing getting up every day and so the test comes the devil starts bugging you oh god is not he's not no no god is not going to give you that you know who you think you are see here we go again god promises you something and the devil gets involved in it the devil can't bring it to pass he ain't promised us nothing but a hard time but see we let him get involved and start talking to us because he sounds reasonable like that voice that always talks to us when we're in a bad mood see that's why it's not good to feed that in you because pretty soon it'll start sounding familiar and you begin to trust it and that's really how people get deceived they get over into that realm where they're disgruntled enough where that voice of discouragement and that voice of disappointment and anger gets too familiar to them and then it talks them into doing something to break walking with god to break fellowship with god people can walk with god but in the back of their minds they harbor i'm wondering if this is going to pay off for me if that's where you at get yourself out of that at any cost because that's that lingering voice that will that will be a snare to you when the day comes of testing when god wants to seal you into something and that voice starts to get dominant and then you break fellowship with god and you break your consistency in serving him where you think you've been doing everything perfectly right and you have but it's not sealed yet see it's not confirmed yet that it's a a part of you that you can carry for the rest of your life God was talking to me about the glory realm and the realm of increased power and anointing. And I've always, I've been the one that I felt like we were in a training ground with what we were doing because I always felt there was more. There had to be more. If you read the Bible, you read the book of Acts, you see there's a whole lot we don't do. A whole lot more. And I was talking to God and I said, well, how is this? He said, it's going to happen by my hand not by anything you do well i'm thinking wait a minute now we've been told you gotta pray you gotta fast you well skip that okay <laughs> that's a lie before i even say it <laughs> anywho anywho see this is why it's gotta be him and not us and see we've heard all these stories about oh so and so prayed for so-and-so years and then the revival came so we all want to do that and god said yeah revivals come like that he said but you're talking about something so big it's beyond your prayers 
Because it ca- if it came in as a result of your prayer, it would destroy you right where you pray. So it has all to be orchestrated by God. And I asked the Lord, I said, what do I, he said, just stay hungry. Just stay hungry. Like children, when they walk with their parents, they stay hungry for attention from mom and dad. They want your full under, that's where we got to stay before God. Continue to walk with God. Stay hungry for the things of God. Because I see what happens to people when they try to manufacture revivals. I see what happens to them when they try to manufacture move of God, moves of God. They get a little bit of power, a little bit of anointing, and they start fighting over it. Who owns it? Who's going to be in charge? We got this meeting over here, and I'm the boss over here, and you're the boss, and they wind up losing it all. And so I've learned from that not to put your fingerprints on anything that God's doing. Because it, God will have to break it up just like the potter does. He's smoothing the wheel the best he can. He look up and that pot's got a fingerprint. He's got to break it, throw it back in the, in the fire and fire it up again. Same thing with moves of God. If they got man's hand on them. And right now, God is in the business of removing fingerprints off his work. You know what I mean, fingerprints? Who's the big, oh, it's not going to be this man, that man, all your TV people. Their hands ain't going to be on this one. Not throwing no shade against nobody's favorite, nobody. You understand, mine ain't going to be on it either. And I don't want them on. I'm smart enough not to want my handprints on it, praise God. My name ain't even on this ministry. So you can't, I, I'm not nowhere guilty of that. But I'm telling you, it's going to be proven by those walk with God, and then they are not because they please him. And they carry his glory. We're not going to get translated up until the work is done. And see, once we walk with God perfectly enough and please him, then the translation comes. You wind up somewhere in a different country or different town than you were got up, woke up in this morning, and you didn't get on an airplane. You got me? Those kinds of translations do happen when God wants some work done. Why? Because the laborers are few. If he can buy you a plane ticket, he can translate you. Well, I can see uh, most of y'all scared of that. Maybe I should just talk about houses and cars and husbands and wives. And you get mad about that too. No please. I'm like Jesus with the Pharisees. I didn't pipe. I didn't. You didn't dance, and I harped. You didn't do that either. What's well, gonna please you? Well, hopefully, walking with God. If I can leave that deposit inside of you, Amen. All right. Father, we thank you for your word for understanding. Thank you, Lord.